We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. The following episode is brought to you by the good folks over at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format like DraftKings and FanDuel, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postpones games. Each unique prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if the prop is correct. For example, will Tom Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you will be able to build your team and score around the amount of correct props you have selected. So check out the sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code VM when signing up. Also, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash veteransminimum. Some extra content on there for you. And this episode, guys, the lamb here, if you haven't been able to tell, I was joined by my former high school football coach, Francisco Hernandez, and I got to pick his brain about the current state of high school football, not only in New York City, but this is an individual who has traveled the circuits along the East Coast, going to many conventions and camps and has even interacted with coaches like Urban Meyer to pick his brain and philosophy with football. The state of football in 2019 from a CTE perspective, how social media has influenced the game, and many, many other things. I hope you enjoy this one. Let's get going with my interview with Coach Hernandez. Did this in my own life. Mm. Did this in my whole life. All right, guys, for those of you listening, I've uh, I've been wanting to get this individual on the podcast for a long time. If you guys like my knowledge of football, he's been the one to sort of school me throughout the years. My a mentor, a coach, hero, father figure, role model, all the fun stuff, Coach Francisco Hernandez. What is going on? Hey, Nick. Uh, not much. Really, the time of the year when uh, training camp is starting for high school very soon. The NFL started. The NC, uh, the college football started already. High school will be starting soon, at least in New York City. So getting excited. We're starting training camp this Sunday. So I have a few more days with the family before it's all about football. Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to make sure I reached out to you beforehand because I remember those schedules and I remember those days and, you know, uh, 
for everyone listening, and I've I, I've mentioned you and Coach Brosnan, and shout out to Coach Brosnan. I'm definitely gonna send him this file so he can listen to it and sort of rub it in. Uh, I've always told people that, and I know everyone's biased. They always say that they have the best dog or they have the best this or my coaches were the best, but I really do think that you and Coach Brosnan were the best football coaches because for those of you guys listening. All of you guys that played high school football or know someone that played high school football, they had position coaches and they had a coach that was just for defensive backs or wide receivers or offensive linemen. Well, these two individuals did it all at my high school. Oh, yeah. I could tell you, yeah. Looking back at it and just reflecting on everything, it was amazing all the things that we did as a team, just two coaches. Now that I'm in the uh, Bayside football staff, we are about four coaches. The game it was makes it so much simpler for the players, and it was amazing how much we accomplished uh, those years, especially the playoff, the playoff team. Just a, it was just the two of us. Yeah, it, it was unbelievable how you guys were able to just rotate through everything. You were with the linemen a fair amount, the linebackers, defensive backs, coach with the offense, and I always gave you guys credit because you were at a big disadvantage. Even, and I know a lot of city schools don't really have the big coaching staffs and whatnot, but for the most part, I remember playing other programs and they would have a lot of coaches, whether volunteer coaches or whatnot, but it was it was just you two, film breakdown, weight room, everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definite. Uh, as um, as being part of that staff for 20 years, it was amazing everything that was accomplished and very proud, very proud what we accomplished. The combination of Ross and Hernandez, uh, even the uh, our opponents have... have uh, gave us kudos for everything that we have done and you know they miss facing us as coaches too yeah you you guys are always good you were you were a genius when it came to to breaking down film was that something how did how did that come about was that just natural your love for football throughout the years love for football uh trying to outsmart my opposing coach and picking up tendencies and you know it's just something that i have carry over now and it's just over the years is the love for the game and try to out coach my my opposition and always give him a little wrinkle here and there and it was just something that it just i i, I don't want to say came natural but it was just i find it was fun when you have, when you're having fun it's you know it's, it's not a job it was just fun now, was it hard to to get through some of those seasons when the team wasn't as good as opposed to the years where you had the expectations of having a good team? No. It, it, as far as spending time with the boys, teaching them, coaching them, influence them, and it's great just to see, you know, even when we had our losing seasons, you know, like even my last year of coaching, uh, it wasn't the best team. We had a lot of uh, obstacles, but we made it through. And the friendship that you form over the years is something that you will never forget. And when everybody comes back and says, hi, coach, you know, I appreciate this and all of that, it makes it worthwhile. And it's just a matter of, you know, being there for the boys. 22 years of coaching and every single one of them, you know, is hold a special place. Yeah, I do think that the bond between a coach, no matter what sport it might be, and a player is probably one of the more important ones. I, I would put it as the most important outside of obviously your your parents growing up. And I, I I could speak on my behalf. You guys have had an impact way past even playing football. You know, and, and I think with football in particular, more so than the other sports, it's a different kind of bond because we you entrust us with carrying and executing your system and your philosophies on the field, but also we trust you to put us in the best positions to win safety too. There's a lot of topics that we're going to touch on throughout this episode, but how do you feel about the bond between player and coach and uh, yeah, player and coach? It's unbreakable. Uh, It's just like the coach become a second parent to the players and the bond and the respect and the appreciation, the mutual appreciation. It's is you cannot, you cannot describe it. And especially when I see former players, becoming something later on in life, cops, doctors, firemen, anything that they do become is it's it's it makes it makes you proud that you had something to do with them and it doesn't matter how far they are, they will always remember you. And it's just one of those things that you cannot 
describe and it's unbreakable. And then remember, for three months, you spend more time with them than your than with your own family. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I remember like just uh, so I graduated. My my tenure as this year, coaches, is absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. We were we were talking before my parents about it, but uh, yeah, I I started playing football, and you were the first coach that I actually linked up with and talked to in the in the off season and that was that was a different experience because i was i was a soccer kid growing up and i wanted to play quarterback uh my, my friend Vinny was the quarterback before me over at brian and we were from the neighborhood and he told me to go out for the team and whatnot and how did uh, did you enjoy doing the offseason stuff do you enjoy doing the offseason stuff oh yeah uh it was time to bond it was time to get the the boys together it's time to to start building the trust um, at the time, I was at a good place. I was married, no kids yet, so a lot of the time it was just with the boys. And the the friendships and the relationships built in the off season. Even now, now now that I'm at Bayside, it's the same. It's the same situation. The head coach is there. Coach Lev, he's he's with the boys since December. They build the trust. They build the connection, and you could see it. Off season is very important. Any successful high school program is about the off season. When you have an awesome off season, the season it becomes easier. And I could see it the way I started at Bryant uh, to what I see now at Bayside. It's unbelievable and it's very close. And I will never forget those days with everybody there at the time. And it's awesome. And like I said, it's just build, build the connections, build the friendships competition and get the team ready you know we never had the best record but all the teams were competitive and everything started in the off season especially it was just me because coach Brazen, he will be uh coaching handball and right. it was just my off season it was my baby and you know spending time with the boys it was it will i will never forget it yeah it's it's funny with the uh with the bond i, I think it's it's been something that i've been able to take way past you know, the, the little messages after practice or whatnot where you would tie life with the football message to those. I probably remember those and most of the stuff that I learned during high school, you know. But I I last played in in 2008. So we're, we're looking at 11 years now, Coach. What would you say? Because you've also been one to you've done the traveling locally and to uh, some other states to learn and, and pick the brains of some of the better high school coaches or college coaches. You were the one that was getting me into traveling for camps. You know, I went to the Syracuse camp. I went to Rutgers camp, a couple of camps in Pennsylvania. And he, even afterwards, you gave me a nice little uh, pep talk about doing some some coaching stuff after after college. And I got to go to some camps. What was what was that like as far as picking the brains of other people from other schools? Was it the philosophies that you picked up on? Was it the, you know, the crowds at games too, I think was a big one? The philosophy was most was one of the top things. Also to see what worked with them. And every time I pick the brain from one of those coaches, I need to make sure that I'm able to adapt it to the level that I have. Just because uh, at Bryant at the time... We, we have a lot of kids who never play the game. So mm-hmm. we had to teach the game from the beginning, from the start, for them to understand. And it's just um, um, it's just to see them. And, you know, a lot of them have good ideas. A lot of them, that shows why they're successful. Uh, I still I could never forget the time that I met Arvin Meyer in one of the clinics. Everything that he said, it was like, wow, it makes sense. And it's something that I would like to use if I can. And, you know, he's Urban Meyer, you know, and good coaches give you good ideas and you are able to adapt it to your system. You know, I couldn't use all of them, but anything that I could adapt and make it serviceable for my players, I used it. And it's always amazing just to hear other coaches speak and just, you know, this is a profession that we borrow idea from each other. Right. (laughs) If if a play works, guess what? We're going to apply that play. And I saw it last year. Last year, you know, we were good, and teams started started to take play from Bayside, and we 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 also took play from other teams. If it works, let's do it. And you know, it's just you know, like amongst the coaches, you know, there's a sign of respect. You know, if it if it works, we use it. 
And uh, you know, we saw we faced a lot of teams that were using our own plays and you know, to me at the end of the day it's just respect. Uh, it's a small community and it's just something that you know, make it whatever could make the program successful, we use it. Yeah, you see that from the top. I mean, the the Eagles win a Super Bowl on the Philly special and then I can't even tell you how many times I saw a quarterback catch a pass last year in the NFL or at least attempt it. If the play works, let's use it. Yeah. So so 2008, right? What what would you say has been the biggest change in high school sports? Because like, like we said, you did some traveling, so you've been able to network with other coaches. So not so much in, in New York City, because that, that's another conversation. We'll get to that in a little bit. But what would you say has changed in the 11 years since I played high school football? We are more aware with uh, concussions. Mm. Uh, we had to go through training. Uh, just part of the game. We try to make the game safer. And also the involvement with social media along with uh, technology. Back in the days, I always share this story, you know, like every Sunday morning we would go over to another borough to exchange VHS tape or DVD. And nowadays it's just huddle. Huddle is there. You With the click, you could uh, exchange film. You don't have to travel. And Huddle is one of those tools that makes uh, your job easier. And, you know, you can also keep track of who's watching film. Back in the days, I have to make copies of games and give it to the players. Now, you go online, you use your phone. It's, uh, you, you know, kids will watch um, the games before practice. They watch footage of practices. They, they have everything available. And it's been a big tool, you know, create, even creating playbooks, using Huddle to create playbooks. Something that I learned that I saw at Bayside is something that is amazing to see. It's just the use of technology and everything that's available. And I'm pretty sure, Nick, back in the days, if you had Huddle, I'm pretty sure that lunch or maybe oh, in man. class you will be uh, watching film. <laughs> oh, I can tell you for with an absolute fact i would be in so much trouble in high school just on my phone watching tape and whatnot just knowing how i am because you know with the just to pull back the curtain a little bit with the podcast now coach it's been the the one thing that has gotten me so invested the last time i was so invested in something was probably the summer going into my senior year i don't think i've ever worked harder in anything in my life, uh, waking up early in the mornings, weighted football, running with a vest on, just all that. I, I really drove myself into the ground, and you know, uh, I got hurt the first game of my senior year, and it kind of just like devastated me. It was just so brutal because you know I put in all that work that summer, and I felt like I was having a good camp. Coach, who uh, guys, we ran a wing T offense in high school, which is uh, right now it's prehistoric. Uh, nothing like what you see on TV now. Maybe the Baltimore Ravens will be running some stuff like that this year. But coach was willing to like open up the offense a little bit. You know, I had my buddy Dennis too on the outside, who and we, you know, from playing with the park, we had some good chemistry. But it it was the one thing that really took a toll on me because of how hard I worked that that summer. So going back to you talking about the huddle tapes, and if you just look over to your left, Coach, over there, I still have the DVD you made me in my highlight tape. It's over there. That's also prehistoric compared to what we DVDs. have with huddle. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's huddle. It, and the other thing is, you know, I never had to spend time. I had to spend time to uh, make, make the highlight tapes. Now you can make your own. You can make it your own, and the coach, your head coach or your assistant or whoever is in charge, We'll look it over. They'll give you a suggestion. You could edit it, and other college coaches could see your own highlight on Huddle. And you saved a lot of time. And just because you could select your own plays, and it's it's amazing how it has made life a little bit easier. Yeah, and I know I know with Huddle, it's become it's become so big as far as recruiting too at the next level. Uh, everyone's using that social media now. Um, how has that impacted things? Well, um, it's another way to communicate between coaches and players. Um, a, a college coach could get into your social media page and then they could just look at your highlights and it makes it a lot easier to be scouted. Uh, you know, if they know who you are and if they have heard your name, they could always look in and see the highlights and, hey, you know, we want them. And that's a very good tool to recruit. Compared to back in the days where they will come, they will look, and 
they don't have access to your game highlights. Now it's at the touch of the button, five seconds, and you can see everything. Oh, man, you used to have to go to the post office to get make sure you had the right address to send it out to all the schools, and hopefully you would get a response within a week or two if it got there at the right time. Um, so you talked about the CTE stuff, and that's been a big conversation throughout the years. Um, the last maybe five years, it's really picked up steam, and would you say that you've seen a decline in numbers as far um, as kids coming out? At least in the uh, neighborhood, um, in the Astoria neighborhood where I used to coach, yes. Um, it's changing. Uh, I usually, when I talk to some of my buddies, I always tell them, you know, it's a dying sport. We just have to try to keep it afloat just because I think five years from now, maybe the game will be very different. And then, you know, the game is under attack. Every negative little thing, they will be picked on. And, you know, compared to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, you know, it wasn't taken seriously. But now, starting with the lower levels, at least I know in the high school here, you know, you hear con concussion, you're out. We're not taking a chance to lose our job. So we always take precaution and make sure that, you know, you're taken care of before we put you back in. Make sure you get the clearance. Make sure you're clear. Make sure you get the doctor's note say it's okay to go back. And then all the all the steps that we have to follow in order to get you ready to go back is not one of those times like in the 80s. Hey, you know, you're, you're ready? Let's go in. Now you just have to go to a protocol just to make sure that everybody follows it and make sure that the health of the student athlete comes first and then make sure that they're ready to go before you send them in. Is that conversation hard with the athlete? When they want to go back in and you know that you can't let them? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. Because they've been programmed to say yes, to go in. Right. But now, you know, it's 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 my job. So, um, you know, we have to take caution to make sure that we follow every single protocol before before you go back in. And even in, even in the NFL, guess what? You sign up concussion, we're taking your helmet away. <laughs> And you know, from every level, this taking serious is being it's it's they're taking it seriously. And you know, I feel bad for the uh, the old generation that are going through the situation now because it wasn't taken seriously back in those days. But now, you know, it's unfortunate for the older players. But hopefully, the changes could be seen in the near future because of. Uh, the CTE, USA Football, making mm -hmm. sure that we teach and coach the right thing during high school. And, you know, back in those days, if you had a concussion, no one would take it seriously now. It's taken seriously. And hopefully we could extend their life, at least this generation of football players that are starting in high school. That You know, like the, the perfect example that I like to use is Junior Seau. Mm -hmm. You know, he unfortunately... He really was the one that started all of this. Yes. As far as his, his his passing and how it went and how ugly it got, that really opened up the floodgates to you know what there's a bigger issue here than we're making out to be. Oh yeah, you know like think about it. He started playing football at a young age. Who knows how many concussions he sustained, and how many times he was sent back. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that didn't help. But nowadays, you know, even in the high school, you it's concussion, you're out. You know, we, we save you from taking more hits until you're ready to go. And even in the NFL, the concussion protocol, you know, it, everything is taken seriously. Even now, look at um, Antonio Brown with the helmet situation. He wants to uh, keep on using his own helmet, but guess what? The helmet is 10 years old, so he cannot use it anymore. And that's what happens. And, you know, hopefully when I'm older, hopefully we could see a change in the approach of the game. And hopefully we could keep the game because to me football is one of the best, uh, one of the best games out there. And it would be a shame that it's um, it it changes or it dies or it might disappear. But it's in danger if people don't put their ideas and then work together to save the game. When you talk to former players, how do they feel about having their kids play? Um, what's like well, the consensus would you say say you were to poll 10 former players and they have they have a, a 12 year old son right now what would you say when you would ask I them? would probably guess that maybe 50 50 mm -hmm. um, well, you know at, at least a lot of my former players are having kids now so 
10 years from now we'll try to find out exactly how yeah. they feel if they put the kid to the sport or not but I, i'll say 50 50 you know like like i'll give you an example if my son ever says daddy i want to play football okay i'll coach you i'll help you but you have to know the consequences that come with the game and you know if you want to play I, i'll support you but just be aware of the of the negativity and everything that can happen to your body if you pursue the game how soon would you allow him to play do you because because i think a big issue is i, I don't think an eight-year-old should be hitting anyone oh no yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you should be hitting anyone until after 15 yes uh if if it was up to me probably starting high school because even now, sometimes when I see social media and see some of the uh, young kids giving some of those wow hits, it's like, why? And it's, it's not necessary. And But, you know, like New York City is very different compared to other states where football is serious. It's, you mm-hmm. know, they take it more serious than New York State. New York City, I mean, and it's a shame. But uh, if uh, I would let my kids stop playing football in high school, you know, let him enjoy it, you know, like uh, like we always said back in the days, if if the experience of high school football you cannot match it, if you are good that you could continue playing, good for you, but at least you gave it a shot in high school, and you know, you and then you could appreciate the game, but if you're really that good, you know, there will be consequences down the road in case if you know you continue playing up to the NFL level to the professional level. You know, you, you, you bring up a good point about the, um, you know, playing and, and, and with the lessons and whatnot. And I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would want my kid to play. If I, if I, if I can teach my kid what I learned about life without playing football, because I learned a lot about life and, you know, dealing with adversity and whatnot. And, you know, because my junior year, uh, Everything was sunshine and rainbows. We had a great season, a historic season at the time at our school. And then the year after, it was rough. Uh, Fell way short of my expectations. And, you know, so I was able to balance out both things where, like, at one point, it's like, oh, you're the man and everything is good and the program is going in the right direction. And then, you know, it kind of crashes and burns the next year. So dealing with that stuff and, and, and learning life lessons in that, I'm all for it, but I don't know if I would want my kid to play. It'd have to be a conversation I would have to have when, when I do have a kid, but it's it's a weird one for me, Coach. Well, Nick, you are the, a, you, are, you are sounding like a parent in uh, 2019, and it's just the way it is, society. That's the way society is right now. And also, back in those days, believe it or not, you know, you could see other other things affecting the game. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you could play Fortnite for for two, three hours a night, win a million dollars like that kid did. You know, yeah. <laughs> to 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 give yourself, you know, a concussion. Let's play Fortnite. You know, there's so many obstacles, so many so many other things to do and it's just technology so you know like i said you 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 sound like the typical parent 2019 that is educated and you understand the pluses and the negative that comes with the game and you know at least in my opinion let your kid choose Mm -hmm. make sure that they understand both the negative and the positive before they proceed like i always wonder like my philosophy is if i tell my son you cannot play football he's gonna want to play it more right more and he's gonna sneak out and do it but at least if i could teach him the right way show him the the proper techniques but also at the same time understanding the good thing that come with the game along with the negative thing that come with the game hopefully at least he understands at least as a role of the parent that's that thing that's important for me to to do that part at least for him to understand the game speaking of parents this has always been a a fascinating conversation for me the the relationship between parent and coach uh through the years i'm sure you've dealt with many different parents how how do you think that relationship has changed over the years because nowadays it's really changed where i'm gonna have a i'm getting old moment now but you know, you see these kids where they get yelled at by a high school coach or a coach of any kind, and then all of a sudden they go to their mom and dad and tell them, oh, coach yelled at me, and now the coach is getting fired, or he has to apologize. How, how do you think that relationship has changed throughout the years? Oh, uh, now it's for whatever reason, society is letting the parents voice their opinion, 
and even again with technology you know um you can never you never know who might have a phone out recording right. anything that you are doing or saying look at the rocker situation it's 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 you know and look at bobby knight you know mm-hmm. there is uh, the technology and then sometimes like i said uh coaches have to think twice be careful what they're saying because you never know and then you know now we see a lot of um uh, parents trying to influence the game and it, it, the profession is changing it's not easy as far as that relationship because some of the parents have the expectation so high and they might actually you know influence and you might end up having a, ver- a verbal altercation with the parent which is unfortunate and sometimes parents feel that they know more than the coach but you know there's just that line that shouldn't be crossed between the between the f- parents and the coaches but sometimes it does and it's unfortunate but it's just the time are changing and unfortunate uh, call it tough love but if you want to give tough love it's difficult nowadays just because that's the way society is working and it's just unfortunate because i think tough love some of the kids do need it mm mm-hmm. And do some I do believe sometimes some coaches do cross the line, but there is that fine line that the coaches are uh sometimes they are limited on the way they can coach, and you cannot show tough love anymore it's just it's just something that I have adapted over the years, and personally, the way I coach at the beginning of my career to now it has changed. And it's just a matter of adjusting what the times with the times and making sure that you know you like I want to continue doing what I love to do is which is to coach. So I've changed the way I coach, um, you know, and then you just have to be able to give constructive criticism mm-hmm. without crossing the line. Well, I'll say it for you. I think we've all gotten soft. That's really what it's it's gotten down to uh, at, with a lot of things, and in particular, I think the relationship between coach player coach parent you know not being able to discipline a kid as far as you know like yelling at him for making a mistake i think that's a valuable lesson oh yeah i i agree with you nick but yeah you i I think you said it we have gotten soft but that's just um that's part of the job now you know because like i said you don't know who is who has a phone out recording right you know sound recording sound recording your actions you never know and then it's just so unfortunate but that's football in the year 2019 and all the things that comes with it and i, I remember you as a coach you were very even keeled when you did raise your voice or you did get angry and meant more because you weren't someone that really got angry unless someone really couldn't understand that they have to you know hit the a gap when they're supposed to or whatnot or they blew a coverage it was very rare, but then Coach Brazen, on the other hand, if uh, if you were an effing idiot, he made sure to let you know about that. <laughs> so there was a nice balance between the two of you. And, and you know, I, I was one who I liked both. I did like the one who it, it, it all also goes back to the kid. What kind of respect level does he have for the kid where I knew that my coaches had the best interest for me and I didn't I never took it as being picked on, which I do think a lot of kids do look at it as being picked on where I always took it as constructive criticism. Oh yeah. And I enjoyed that. Yes. But today's kid is very, they are, you know, they cannot take, some of them cannot take constructive criticism. They will take it the wrong way. But I think one of the things that made us work, that made us click is, is, uh, you know, we balance each other out between, you know, between, uh, you know, the way coach Bronson used to coach the way I coach, we, we balance each other out. And, and you know you cannot have two coaches being the same way. You need something. You know you need you need a you need a balance. And I think that's what made us, I guess, success, successful. Even though the record will not show it, but we we help each other out. We balance each other out. And you know from time to time on game situation, I'll get and during the game day I'll get intense. And but I will never forget those moments. But it's you know it's it's a good balance. And the staff. You you mentioned something before in passing about the the wow hit, and that was something I think of, you know, post playing and being a a, a player for you as a, a as a coach, 
I remember I came back to visit one time and it was it had to be training camp, you know, summer summer football camp. And uh, I asked you something about tackling and you brought up coach something that it's resonated with me ever since about the wow hit and how that's really changed with whether it's tackling, whether it's even concussion and protecting the player. Can you explain to the people the, the wow hit and the analogy, how that's changed things? Back in the days, uh, I use a f famous example, uh, Buddy Ryan, 46 defense with the Eagles. Um, you know, I still remember that particular incident. It's just a way to motivate the players. Uh, they put a hunt, uh, bounty, uh, they put a price on the kicker from the Cowboys and it, it gives the defensive guy a motivation to, to give one of those hits that at times could be dirty. And early in my coaching career, it was something that, you know, it's a form of motivation. But due to the safety and the way the game has changed over the years, uh, I don't promote it as much. And I don't promote it just because, it's, you know, you, 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 keep, you put the safety of the uh, offensive player at risk. And but also the defensive player too. When you're just recklessly throwing, because I remember, you know, uh, all the tackles that I made in my career. Uh, you would always talk about the heads up. You know, coach would always say, "Don't look at the the black beads on the floor for the astro turf or whatnot." And it was like the head up, and that was the proper form of tackling as a defender. Where, but you, your point was, no one gets recruited on textbook tackling. Because no, it's not the wow hit that you see that goes viral on Instagram or on Facebook. Even then now, yes, even now they the wow hits, you know, some still some coaches still they still use it. And it's just something that, you know, you put both the def like you said, Nick, the defensive player and the offensive player at risk. And even some of the cheap shot that I've seen over the years in the NFL, like you you why why are you taking the extra shot? I still remember the shot that Joe Flacco took from the linebacker from the Dolphins. That was not necessary, but that was a wow hit. And then you know what was what was the point? And but you know some coaches still they still want to see it, and you know some coaches will try to change it. But you know that's what gather hits. That's what gather views. If you put a wow hit on your social media page, that's what can happen. And, and even me, when I watch football, and a lot of times throughout the years, especially with the CTE stuff and the concussion, I, I love football. It's, it's done a lot for me. It's, it's given me this platform here with the podcast and whatnot uh, and the life lessons that we've talked about. And I got to play college football, too. I find myself, Coach, being overly excited when a guy gets popped. A am I a shitty person for that? No. No, there is a <laughs> clean wow hit compared right. to a dirty wow hit. Right. If you do it clean, part of the game, it's, it's a part beautiful of the game. thing too. It's a beautiful thing when you see a textbook tackle that you hit, lift, and tackle the opponent. It's beautiful to see. But when you take a shot with your elbow, with your shoulder at someone's head, I think that's not right. You know, like I guess I could say that if you could do everything by the book that is not crossing the line, you could still consider a wild hit. And compared to the one that is is dirty, you know, like I said, the Flacco example that that to me that was not, that was not uh, that that was dirty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the one where he also slid. Yes, right? he slid, gave himself up, and then he got hit on that one. There was one with Cam Newton last year too that was very vicious. He gave himself up, and especially with the quarterback now, you can't really, you can't even breathe on them for the most part. But you know, some of the other positions too. a wide receiver cornerbacks can't really defend anybody nowadays. It's really hard to put your hands on someone that hand checking now with the defensive pass interference being a challengeable offense. That's also something that's opened up floodgates to making the game even longer. What would you say is the easiest position for someone to learn in football? You take a kid that's not just a good athlete um, and, you know, he comes out for one year. And what position would you say? Using those using those descriptions, wide receiver, mm -hmm. because the way the game has changed, you know now now uh, you know it's more of a passing league. Uh, you just have to learn how to run your routes. Uh, you just have to develop your arms. 
and you know and your hands i mean and then they are it's one of the easiest and then a lot of the high school kids if they come out they are the so-called athlete most of them play wide receiver sometimes running back and you know you, you if you if you a speed burner that you just run deep patterns you know you, you might not get hit a lot compared to other positions that is just very difficult and the game has changed uh, like running back is one of those positions that is just losing respect from the professional to the college and like right now all the good athletes are playing wide receivers mm. Yeah, and with it becoming more of a passing league, there's a lot. You're seeing wide receivers now getting north of twenty million dollars annually, which, you know, I'm a believer where I wouldn't pay anyone outside of a quarterback. I think that's the most valuable position on the field. Obviously, they touch the ball sixty to seventy times. They have the ability to audible. Um, wide receiver is a very unique position. You're the first one to break huddle. You're the one on the outside. Your your whether it's the high school level or the NFL level. Your success is solely dependent on someone else getting you the football. So I do think it is a very unique position. Um, I, I'd have to agree with you on that, though. I do think wide receiver would be one. You just throw a natural athlete out there, and if they could catch, you could you could work with them with everything else. Oh, yeah. You don't expect them to block as much. Just make sure that you catch the ball. And you know, like I said, the game has changed a lot. Especially come on with a wing T background, you know. The, 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 it's more of a passing it's, it's, it's a lot more passing now, you know, from the high school to the college to the pro. It's more passing, 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 less running, running, running. And at the same time, you can see how the uh, running backs are, you know, losing respect. Look at uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, look at uh, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, they're holding out just because they are not willing to get paid. But to me, you Nick, back in those days, if you could run the ball, you could you could win your championship. Yeah, there is something still about teams that when the going gets tough, it's it's teams that can run the ball that ultimately get to where they want to get to. If you really think about it, you know, the Rams last year, one of the more heavily run first teams, despite having a tremendous offense. And, you know, for all the hype about Brady and, and his weapons on the outside, it was really Sony Michelle's emergence in the second half of the year that really catapulted them to winning another Super Bowl. Oh yeah, run you know if you could run the ball, you could win. You could win. What you, would what would you say? Uh, are you a fan of the new kind of football? All this passing. I am beginning to respect it. I'm beginning to see the positive aspect of it. As a defensive guy, though, do you, do you hate that guys can't really play defense anymore? Oh yeah, it's just, it's difficult to play defense. It's very difficult. It just you know, cannot hit the quarterback. Uh, cannot put your hands on a receiver. It's very, it's very challenging. It's very challenging, you know, and I could see it at the high school level. And, you know, com coming as a defensive back, uh, as a defensive coach with a defensive background, it's tough. That's why I'm coaching offense now. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem like it is easier because you see it from, from the high school level now more so uh, than before and now even in college where the stigma with the, the, the spread quarterback coming into the NFL was – Oh, they don't run spread in the NFL. But now it's like pretty much everyone is running a very similar type of offense to a spread, if not a spread offense. Oh, yeah. They want a mobile quarterback. If mobile quarterback gives you a chance to run the spread, the zone read, it gives you, the, it gives you that opportunity. You know, look at the uh, Baker Mayfield of the world, uh, Kyler Murray. They, they, they are your, your today's, today's NFL quarterback. You be able. You have to be able to run. You have to be able to have the run pass option, the RPOs, and it's just part of the game, the evolution of the game. What young quarterback do you do you like watching? Transition into some NFL talk now as we. Um, well, for personal reasons, due to my fantasy team, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> I have him on my team, and I just want to see how how good he is in the second year. And, you know, there's a transition period. Uh, he did really well last year. And then let's see how he grows in the second year. Yeah, he has definitely has the weapons. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hype with the Browns. I don't know what to make of it. They're a very, very talented team, but there are a lot of question marks. You know, there's, it's not much of a winning culture there. And I know you could say because Baker wasn't there until now, unproven head coach. Um, 
for as great as Baker was, if you really do a deep dive on his numbers, he threw seven touchdowns against the Bengals, no interceptions. So his numbers were kind of inflated because of his beef with Hugh Jackson, too. That is true. So it, it, it is. I'm just pumping the brakes a little bit because I've seen the, the, the Jaguars hype train get derailed, the Niners hype train get derailed throughout the years, the Raiders hype train, too. So I'm, I still like Pittsburgh in that division to be uh, the, the rulers of the North. He still has the weapons. Big Ben, he still has the weapons. Isn't it unbelievable how many wide receivers they produce? It's due to the scouting. The scouting, the scouting department does a really good job. So I, 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 I'm, I'm working on this uh, like research project for some NFL stuff, and and I'm honing in on wide receivers for the Steelers. And coach, it is unbelievable how they find guys in the third, fourth, fifth round. Antonio Brown was a fifth or sixth round pick, I believe, and he's probably the best wide receiver of the last decade. Mm-hmm. And they really, from what I've been able to understand from watching, is they don't care about height. They don't care about weight. They want speed and separation, and they'll make it work. Can you get away from the defensive back? And I know it sounds crazy and it sounds simple, but their whole thing is uh, 10 to 15-yard splits, uh, running the 40. They don't really care about that. More so the the first 20 yards, that explosiveness. And and uh, they really value the um, I believe it's the the shuttle, the the three cone drill. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing with the steel. And if you look at it, you know Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, uh, Martavius Bryant. You know, say what you want is off the field issues, but hell of a talent. Now Juju, I love this kid James Washington. I think he's gonna have a monster year, second year receiver from Oklahoma State. And it's just it's just one of those things where anytime the Steelers draft a wide receiver, I'm like, oh, I'll probably have him on my fantasy team in the near future. Uh, I agree, I agree, and that's another that supports one of my personal opinions. Is sometimes the uh, scouting combine is so overrated. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Antonio Brown, fourth or fifth rounder, you know, and he made it. And you know, like they they have they have their their approach, they have their philosophy, and they're sticking with it. So it's 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 uh you know the combine doesn't show you anything. It does show you something, but to me that's a little bit overrated. To me, it's game film, what you do on game game day. That's 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 important, and I'm pretty sure the still uh the uh the department of uh of scouting they do a good job. Ident you know selecting you know, identifying and then selecting the proper receivers. Yeah, and you know even. A lot of people are making the Steelers are picking the Steelers to regress this year because you know that you lose Antonio Brown and rightfully so the guy's a hell of a talent but you know they still have Juju Juju Smith Schuster who they they spent a uh, a high pick on and they have Ben to pull the strings they bring in Dante Moncrief in the off season I'm sure that guy will do well just because it's the nature of the beast that position over in in Pittsburgh uh, we we talked a little bit about running back and for those of you guys that might not know pull the curtain back a little bit big Dallas Cowboy fan is uh coach hernandez we did get along folks i know you might be wondering but we did get along all these years how do you feel about uh the ezekiel elliott stuff and 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 touching on zeke but also you mentioned nfl teams the high school level not really caring or valuing the running back like they did maybe a decade ago how do you feel about those situations uh i support the player Yes, I'm. I'm with you. It's so. I, I hate to cut you off, Coach. It's so weird because I, I understand the player, but I also understand the organization. Yes, um, it's uh, you know, they're always one play from losing everything. I, you know, I would like Ezekiel to sign, but they have. To, they also have to look out for themselves, right? And they also have to, uh, you know, look out for the family. Just because, like I said, you are one play from losing everything. And it's a shame. I sometimes feel that the pie of the revenue pie, they should be, it should help the players too. Mm -hmm. Because with other players, there is no NFL. Right. But the owners do keep a large percentage of the revenue. And I understand what the players are fighting for. And, you know, not saying to give everything to the players, but at least make it fair. Just because the players, 
you know, like I said, I, looking back at the player from the, as, as I was growing up in the seventies and eighties, all of them are struggling now. Mm -hmm. And and uh, what's a million dollar to a team that is worth a billion dollar? Right. And you know, without those players, it's there's no NFL today. And I understand where they're coming from, but I also could see the owner side. You signed your contract, fulfill your contract, right? And then we'll see, we'll see what happens on your next contract. I could see both sides. It's a tough situation. Uh, I could see you know the owner's point of view. I could see the player's point of view, but. You know, in, in in fairness, if there are no if there are no actors, there are no movies. If there are no players, there are no NFL. Yeah, and, and I couldn't agree with you more where the running back, it, it seems like you find a running back like an Ezekiel Elliott, like a Melvin Gordon, and you're getting them their prime years upon their first contract. And it, it seems as if, you know, Zeke had over 400 touches last year. Kind of run them into the ground and then... When it's time to pay them, teams try to do what Pittsburgh did with the franchise tag. Le'Veon Bell held out. And then eventually they just cut their ties with the player. And now it's the Jets' problem, for example. you know, yes. Or it's it's Buffalo's problem when they take on LaShawn McCoy after Philly ran him to the ground. And the player wants to get paid, and I'm so behind the player. But then from an organizational standpoint, I also understand that too. It's like, you know, do you... Look what happened with Gurley in the in the Rams. They give him that big contract, and there's I'm of a believer coach where I think his career, the best of Gurley is in the past. I think with the knee arthritis, uh, not knowing what was going on in the Super Bowl as someone who made a uh, financial investment on his MVP odds during the Super Bowl, it was it was a little concerning to see all the stuff that played out with his knee. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, unfortunately, the system doesn't favor the running back. If you have a workhorse, let's work them, let's work them, let's work them. And then when they're when they're done, who's next? Right. That's uh, it's unfair. That's why I think a lot of players are not wanting, they don't want to play running back anymore from the high school level. Mm -hmm. You know, the better athletes go, they, they become your athletes. They become your wide receivers. And it's just the way the game is changing from back in the days to now. It's passing, 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 RPOs. And it's just it's just the evolution of the game, you know. In the NFL, at least, depending on your offensive situation, uh, like the Cowboys, the Cowboys do need Ezekiel Elliott to be successful because without Ezekiel, I don't think Dak Prescott could be an effective quarterback. Uh, Melvin Gordon is also the same situation, uh, but it's just the evolution of the game that is unfortunately it's uh it's very it's holding back the running back position and coming from the wing t background if you had three very good running backs you could spread the load mm -hmm. you could spread you could spread the carries and the nfl is different they just give it to one player and that's it let, let, let him go and 400 400 touches who cares because we could find him we could find his replacement soon and that's that's the nastiness of the business yeah, do, do, you, do you think it hurts that position that you see so many guys from later rounds become all-pro kind of players? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it hurts because it, it's, it sets a precedent that we could get someone in the later rounds right. compared to the early rounds. You know, perfect example, the Broncos. Back in the days, the Broncos were able to get running backs in the fifth, fourth round. They, they, had, they, they just plugged them into the system. The zone... Yeah, the zone read. Uh, the zone read, yeah. and, you know, it worked for them. And then, you know, NFL is a copycat league. Now, you know, maybe that was the start back then that you could pick someone in the later rounds and just plug him into the system. And now, you know, back in, you know, now it's more of a passing league, so they don't, you know, they don't get to share, which is surprising how the Cowboys pick Ezekiel Elliott early in the first round, which is surprising, but now he's not getting the respect uh, within you know within the uh pay scale yeah it's it's always hard especially when new guys set the market you know that's that's why there's holdouts because a guy a guy gets paid one year and sure next guy up sets the new market for that position but like you know i kind of think the eagles paid carson wentz early to put the cowboys in a tough situation with having to pay dak they didn't need to pay carson wentz 
when they did. Yes. And and now Dak is going through all, all of his issues, and I think Philly's just sitting back and saying, ah, this is a win for us. Have them just battle it out. Everything is done for a reason in the NFL, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you think... Um, I got called crazy by some of my friends for thinking that I think Amari Cooper for Dak Prescott's success might be more valuable than Zeke. You could see it from last year. Uh, the, because the, the numbers of uh, his first, I believe it was seven or eight games without Amari Cooper because Zeke was there. And then when Amari got there, it, it was very substantial of a difference between the, the, the passing aspect, which makes sense because you get a guy like Amari Cooper on the outside. Well, when they got Cooper and he proved himself afterwards, I said to myself, this could be the the triplets 2.0. Right. Except, you know, Aikman is a better quarterback. Smith and Elliott are probably the same. Mm-hmm. Cooper and Michael Irvin were probably the same. And, you know, the difference is in quarterback, but this is the triplets 2.0. Once they got Cooper and he proved himself, and the Cowboys actually scored some points afterwards. But now everything is on hold because the salary cap and yeah. the Cowboys are going to have to make some tough choices. I wish they could sign everybody. Jalen Smith, they might lose him. They yeah, might lose Byron Jones. Byron Jones, right. So they're going to have to decide how they're going to pay everybody. It's all fun in games when you get these guys on rookie contracts and you have a great rookie rookie draft class. And then the year after is a phenomenal class. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, ah, this is going to be hell in three, four years when everyone's up. Because even, you know, we didn't mention uh, uh, Lawrence, the defensive lineman. Well, he, he got paid. He got paid. But, you know, that's you, you have to decide. You can't keep all those guys. And that's why, you know, for, for everyone listening, they've heard me say this so many times, Coach, where the biggest luxury I think you have in all of professional sports is not having to pay your quarterback. So that's why you see there's an arms race between teams like Philadelphia, the Rams, the Chiefs, uh, even New England up until this year. Brady was outside of the top 15, uh, I believe, four of the last five years as far as what his average annual annual salary against the the cap was. And that's why you see all these guys go and they load up on players elsewhere because you have that quarterback on the on the rookie deal. Perfect example. Russell Whistle. Russell Wilson. That's that's the best one, I think. Yeah. Get him in the third round. Don't have to pay him for four years, and you get the Legion of Boom. You bring Cliff Averill in, uh, Michael Bennett. You bring all these guys in, and yeah, you're right. Percy and Harvin they traded for. I know that was a failed experiment, but at the time it was, you know, Percy Harvin is over there. And they should have had another Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not running on the – well, if they ran the wing T, they probably would have – They would have – see, I would have coached that. I would have I would have called that play. I think they would have won that Super Bowl. <laughs> Coach, as we wrap up here, last question that I have for you is, uh, where do you see football, uh, two-part two part question, where do you see high school football in a decade, and then where do you see the NFL in a decade? I think depending on the state that you live in, for example, Florida and Texas, I don't think football will ever go away. Right. Even in the uh, West Coast and, and California, it will never go away. States where... There are other options. Mm-hmm. It can, there could be a change. There could be a change just because it, the name, the game is under attack. Um, hopefully, people are educated. Hopefully, we don't get any more bad press. But that's out of our control. And you know, like those, those uh, hot ground for football will always be there. You know, and for for many, it's a way to get out of their situation economical situation is a way to give themselves opportunities but there are so many other things opening for example i mentioned it before the kid who won a million dollars playing Fortnite. Mm -hmm. that that that's going to change the game if if people realize oh i could just play a game and then win an x amount of money just for playing a game instead of putting the physical with the physical toll on your body Yes, it's, a, it's something that it's, it's it's a game changer. That to me, that's a game changer, and and then the NFL has to avoid those CTE talks just because the bad press that comes with it. And then the more players from the '60s, '70s, even the '80s coming down and then not getting the help that they need, that to me it's a shame, and that 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 could change the game. And hopefully, I'm wrong, 
but hopefully we could keep the, the game throughout the 50 states, uh, keep the game safe. But, you know, sometimes it's, it only takes each other one bad apple to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, I think for me, I think I agree with you on, you know, Ohio, Florida, Texas, California. They're, they're going to be fine. Uh, New York State, I think, might be in uh, have some issues and New York City in particular. Um, as far as the NFL goes, I think it's peaked. I don't think the NFL could get any bigger. I think it's it's hit its ceiling as far as how big of a sport it's it can be. Whether it was last year or the year before, two years ago, um, I think it's it's you know the numbers are down. They say ratings, but it's still the number one program on five different networks. It, it still gets the highest rating of any anything you put on TV. I think last year, um, I believe it was 18 of the 20 highest rated programs on network television was either the national championship game or an NFL game of some kind. So it still does great. But I think as far as popularity, the, the attendance, all that fun stuff, I think it's, I think it's peaked. Now I'm not saying it's going to turn into baseball. It's not going to be the MLS, but I, I think it's rain on top is coming to an end. The one part that I would disagree with you, Nick, uh, the the X factor that's coming up soon, just because this is the new wave gambling. Oh yeah, yeah. Gambling will always keep it afloat because out of all the major sports, people seem to fall in love gambling on professional football, college football, for whatever reason. Well, it's it's uh it, it's a false narrative of people perceive it to be easy. Because it is once a week, so you figure you have enough time to do your research and do the your due diligence to, all right, well, this guy's out. That's going to hurt their offensive line. Uh, this team is overvalued, undervalued. Uh, so f- from talking to people that do gamble or do bet or know about it, they that's what I've gotten, and I think they couldn't be more wrong. I think uh, the NFL is one of the hardest things to bet on. It's... It's the easiest people think that it's the easiest is because it's once a week where, you know, I think the hardest thing to bet on is there's two of them. Major League Baseball, because you have such a big sample size and it's hard to understand, well, is this team going to get up for uh, a matinee against the San Diego Padres on a Wednesday? You can't. It's hard to handicap that. And then the other thing, and from talking to people in, in, in sports betting that set lines and set odds, college basketball. Because how can you handicap, Coach, if you're a, a bookmaker, how do you handicap Stony Brook versus Hofstra? That is true. It's hard. Sure, you could set a proper line for North Carolina Duke or Michigan, Ohio State because they're on ESPN. They're on all these networks. They're on the, the Big Ten network. And it's there's more public eyes around it. But it, it's hard. That's where uh, a lot of people find a big edge on college basketball. Not so much in the tournament. Because the tournament, I like to say, I, I, I tried not to bet on the college basketball tournament because I don't like betting on people that are younger than me and aren't professional athletes. True. And especially with, you know, you just fall for the trap. Everyone's doing it. Everyone falls out of bracket. Everyone roots for their the, the school they went to. Uh, numbers are inflated on college sports teams more than any other team because there's a... There's a sense of pride. My, my buddy Boss, who I do the podcast with, he's a Syracuse alumni. And I've told him, but he's a diehard uh, Jets and Yankee fan. And I go, which one would you rather bet against? And he goes, I would never bet against Syracuse. Interesting. So so alumni have, they, they inflate the lines on the big programs. That's why you always see the same couple of schools being favorites. Mm-hmm. It's just a hedge against the public money that comes in on those teams. But yeah, as far as the, the gambling and the fantasy stuff, I think that's why the NFL has been on top. You're absolutely right. And then if you think about it, that's why a lot of the other leagues have been so pro pro betting and gambling. You know, Adam Silver has come out and said, you know, we want to we want to get our hand in the pie because it's just it's just so big of another market. But they don't they, I don't think they could match the level of the NFL. And now the only thing that has been that has changed the last five years is a lot of states are allowing, allowing legal gambling. Can't wait for the day that New York State says, OK, <laughs> Well, that you know, that's what I think, and we, and we can wrap up with this one. That's what I think it's going to take. You know, it's um, I, I, I prepared this analogy, and I was talking to some of my friends about it, where, you know, it wasn't until, it, it's there's a lot of parallels between the legalization of sports betting and the marijuana, 
right? It wasn't until some of the bigger states accepted it that it became more acceptable from all the other states. I think for sports betting to really take off, they're going to need a Florida. They're going to need a New York. They're going to need one of these big name popular states to welcome it. You know, we have it in New Jersey, but in New York, you still can't. I think the day is coming soon. It is, yeah. I'm pretty sure New York wants a pay, a piece of the pie. Well, New York in particular has a, the, there's a huge market for it, and everyone that goes into Jersey basically they pretty much come from New York, and they they've said that New York has one of the biggest handles in the whole world, and you know there's nowhere to bet, so that's all from you know the guy at the pizza parlor that takes the bets under the table, <laughs> or you traveling into Atlantic City and whatnot. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Gambling is definitely going to keep it. Uh, the king for the time being definite yeah well coach it was an honor a pleasure and uh i appreciate you coming on i, I think people are going to enjoy this one um is there do you are you on social media at all i have my facebook page uh personal though um okay. uh, but um that's it you know not much as far as you know social media um i don't know maybe if things changes Maybe I'll go open up. We'll, we'll see where this interview takes me. Well, guys, it's at Veterans Minimum is the Twitter for the show and the Instagram page. I'm at The Lamb Show. If you want to send any kind words to Coach, if you want to make fun of him for the Ezekiel Elliott stuff, feel free. I give you the green light on that one as a Giants fan. Uh, Coach, once again, it was an honor, a pleasure, and uh, thank you for taking time right before the season and from the family to uh, hop on the show. Anytime, Nick. I, I, I would like to do this again. Yeah, definitely. In the near future. Guys, thank you for listening. The NFL show will be up Thursday. I believe we are breaking down the South divisions. So storylines, additions, and subtractions. And we'll catch you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.